Praise God. It's good to be here, and uh, we trust the Lord will bless. As any pastor will tell you, you always have a message in the back burner. And uh, Ken phoned me. The Bible says, lay hands on no man suddenly. Well, Ken did not abide by that. And, uh, do you know, I usually would have something that you would just come and bring, but the Lord wouldn't give me ease with that. So, anybody knows me, knows I don't do notes, but what I would do is I would jot down, if something comes to my mind, I'll write down and keep it and study it. And I happened to go to look at uh, some of my old notes, and I found, I didn't even know I had this, and it just jumped out at me, and I felt the Lord say, bring this this morning. So, you've heard of fresh bread, this bread hasn't even been cooked yet, so (laughs) we're just going to have to trust the Lord this morning, but I believe there's a message for every one of us. You see, the Word of God's a two-edged sword. It will cut me and it will cut you. That doesn't mean it has to hurt. You know, people think a sword has to hurt. There's some people that have to go under the surgeon's knife for the better, isn't there? It doesn't mean it's bad, but you're going to have to go through the process. So we're going to go through the process of the Word this morning, and we're going to look to the Word. If you have a Bible, we're going to the book of 2 Samuel 15. 2 Samuel 15. And we'll read just verse 2. Keep the Bible open and we'll be referring to it. And Absalom rose up early. Listen, trouble is always awake before you. If you don't remember anything this morning, remember trouble is always waiting for you to wake up. Absalom rose up early and stood beside the way of the gate. And it was so that when any man that had a controversy came to the king for judgment, then Absalom would call on to him and say, Of what city art thou? And he said, Thy servant is of one of the tribes of Israel. And Absalom said unto him, See, thy matters are good and right, but there is no man disputed, deputed of the king to hear thee. And Absalom said moreover that I have made judge in the land that every man which have any suitor case may come on to me and I would do him justice. Let's pray. Father, we ask you, Father, that you bless your word. I pray, Lord, that you would anoint your word. I pray, Lord, that we would hear your voice Now, Lord, settle our hearts. Lord, move amongst us to the glory of Jesus. Amen and amen. I'm going to give you as an insight. If you were just reading that, you'd be sort of going, where are we? If you know the story of David's family, David's family, like every, King David's family, like everybody, it had its problems. And David's problems have been going on for years I want to say from the outset, don't allow your problems to fester, especially in the family. Don't allow your problems to become a part of your family. You see, what we do is, when we have problems in the family, we find a way of dressing them up 
and just living with them. One of the greatest problems with King David was he was a fantastic king. David was chosen of God. David was God's man. And yet in all, David was useless when it came to the family. David had a son, Amnon. Does any of you know Amnon? You ever heard of him? No. Church doesn't speak about Amnon. He's not popular. He's the one who raped his sister. Now, I know people say you shouldn't be saying things like that nowadays. The, the, the preachers need to be more aware. I wanted to say something. Sin's never popular. Sin's never easy to talk about. And David had a son who'd done that to his own sister. Do you know what David done about that? Does any of you know what David done? Not a thing. It says he was angry. And that's where it stopped. Oh, we can get angry. We can get upset. But David done nothing. Here's the problem. People see that. People see how we deal with things. Do you know what upset David's family more? It wasn't the fact that he brushed it under the carpet. Here's what upset it more. Absalom. Now, Absalom turned out to be terrible. But do you know what? I often ask myself, I'm going to give Absalom a break here this morning. I often ask myself, if David had dealt with that problem in the family properly, would he have had an Absalom problem? If David had have went and dealt with that two years prior, would he have had the problem? And I don't believe he would have. Because here's what happened. David done nothing, and Absalom loved his sister. Do you realize what Amnon done to Tamar ruined her life? She took a breakdown. She became a recluse. She locked herself away, and she was the one who suffered with the consequences of what David didn't do. And you see, the sad reality is like so many of us, including myself, let me tell you, if you want to find someone who'll show you how to brush it under a mat, I tell you, I'll give you a good class in that. But here's the problem. David started to brush everything under the mat. You see, we lose discernment when we allow things to go, don't we? And then we lose the ability of when to actually say, enough's enough, I need to deal with this. Two years passes from Amnon done that to Tamar. Absalom pretended it didn't worry him. He put on a face that he was over it. But the truth of the matter was Absalom was not done with it. And he goes to his dad and he says to his dad, Dad, I want to have a family party. Family parties are never a good thing. They're always heads up a row at a family party. Christmas is dangerous, isn't it? Everybody's on tender hooks when it comes to the Christmas dinner. There's always that one family member. Absalom says, Dad, things are good. We're going to have a big dinner. We've sheared all the sheep. We've worked hard. We're going to have a celebration. Absalom brings the family up. And Absalom says to the servants, when Anon is done drinking, he's full of the good new wine. 
can't defend himself. I want you to slay him. Absalom slew Amnon. Now, do you know what you don't know about this? David, actually, you see, if you read this, David didn't mourn that much because you know why Absalom done what he should have done himself? It actually says, if you read the Bible properly, I'm going to tell you, it says, David was actually quite happy. But David then made the mistake and he put the front on that poor Absalom had to be put into exile. Absalom had to be chased away. And Absalom goes on the run. And Absalom's away from home and, and people are talking about it. You ever notice the royal family? Everybody talks about that. Everybody's watching the royal family. That's what was happening here. And it wasn't good for image. It wasn't good for what it looked like. And Joab, who is David's right-hand man, Joab, by the way, in the Bible, looks like David's best man. Joab was terrible. Joab was a creep. You're not here. Listen, he was terrible. Joab looked like the man who was David's right-hand man, but he, he, he knew what he was at. He was always twisting. He was always turning. And Joab goes behind David's back and he gets a woman. The Bible says, woman who was wise. Uh, I'm not taking a dig at wise women, but what she done was not too wise. Because she went to King David and here's what she done and here's where I want us to start our message. She planted the seed in his head. Bring back Absalom. People are always out to plant a seed. Be careful who you listen to. Be careful who you talk to. Be careful who you confide in. I always say this. The Bible says, confess your faults one to another, that the prayers of a righteous man may avail for much. I always say this. Do you know what the church is lacking? Do you know, if I was to say the Roman Catholic Church got one thing right, the confession box... I actually do believe that the Protestant church has thrown away the confession box. And the truth of the matter is, the Protestant church, the Christian evangelical church, we have no room for confession. Now, I'm not saying that you come to me and sit in a dark booth beside me and say, Pastor Tom, I have sinned. That's not what I'm saying. But there's no avenue. There's no peace. There's no place where born-again evangelical Christians, believers in the word can come and have a true outlet. And here's the danger. We go to the wrong people. And do you know who the wrong people is? We always seem to go to the one who wants to listen. Can I tell you, the ones who want to listen only want to listen for one thing. When you're out the door, here's what they're going to do. Well, you'll not believe what I heard. And they will use it against you. If I was to encourage the church to do one thing, we need to get a body where people can come and speak and get it off their hearts and then go to the word and deal with it properly. But we don't. And child of God, this is what happens. Listen to what happens next in, in the word here. My mouth's dry this morning. I've been talking too much last night. David takes advice and the seed is planted and the seed is watered 
and he's under peer pressure. Now, notice where the pressure's coming from. It's a peer pressure to bring back Absalom. The favorite opinion poll was Absalom must return. David brought Absalom back after much peer pressure to Jerusalem. But little did David know that he was bringing the greatest problem that was going to enter into his family's life that he had ever dealt with. I'm not saying if you have a loved one or you have a situation that you don't make restitution, that's not what I'm saying. But David still did not deal with the problem. He didn't talk to Absalom about it. He didn't talk to the family about it. He didn't sit down and say, do you know what? We should have done this. He didn't try to make an amends. But here's the problem with Absalom, and we're seeing it in our society today. You look during COVID. The government was paying you to stay at home. By the way, I thought it was rather fantastic getting paid to stay at home. Who wouldn't want to do that? If you were sick, you got extra money. Brilliant. And here's what the cap's saying. Build back better. They stood with platforms. Build back better. Does anybody know where that saying comes from? Babylon. The Babylonian system build the Tower of Babel. Do you know, 95% of the population was sucked in. The peer pressure of a godless, terrible leader, a double-minded man, Boris Johnson, he's double-minded. He never lives by what he says, and the Bible says a double-minded man is unstable. In all his ways. Old Calvin says, if God wants to judge a nation, guess what he does? He gives them weak leaders. Our nation is under the judgment of God right now. And it's because we have allowed them to throw God out of the schools. We've allowed them to throw God out of our education. We have allowed the world to dictate to the church what we must do when we must open, what we must do when we come together. Our council and our government comes from the great I am. It's Jesus Christ and Jesus Christ only that we should be listening to. It's not a godless government that wants to promote evil throughout the world. Our government was once a government that sent men and women all over the world to preach the gospel. Our government once paid men and missionaries to go and and evangelize the world. Do you know what David Cameron said during his, his, his primate's term? He says, I want to evangelize the world with homosexuality. He used the term that the church uses for the glorious gospel for something that the Lord finds abhorrent. I see peer pressure came in and peer pressure took over David. And here's what Solomon came with. He sat at the gate. Does anybody know what sitting at the gate means? Lot sat at the gate of Sodom and Gomorrah. Do you remember Lot, the, 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 the weeping, 
the weeping prophet, Lot was only devastated about one thing, and that was the bank was on fire. <laughs> As Pastor McCall used to say to us, he went weeping all the way to the bank every Monday morning. You see, he sat at the gate. Sitting at the gate means you're the Lord Myrrh. Absalom came back and straight away was promoting himself. Sin will always try to promote itself over your life. Sin, we, we always, evil will always try to take over your life. We, we, we battle with sin. I can tell you what, maybe you are all perfect. I battle with sin. As battling with sin driving up this road, I'll be battling with sin before I get home. It's a battle. And the thing is, Absalom was promoting himself as a new king, a new government, and a new way, a better way. Absalom was coming. Are you not happy? You see, sin will come to you. And sin will ask you, are you happy? Are you happy in your marriage? Can I tell you something? There's nowhere in the Bible says that marriage is always going to be happy. People get divorced now because they say, I'm not happy anymore. I'm going to be honest with you. Everybody all went cock-a-hoop when Adele released her song. And it was on the news. And I was going, what's the big hype about this girl and these songs? And do you know, see, when I heard them play, they were just talking about, I didn't know what to do, I wasn't happy, I was young, I was stupid. What a load of nonsense. What an absolute load of nonsense. That is no excuse. And that's what's being sold to our nation and to our young people. If you're not happy, listen, you should be happy. I want to tell you something. If you thought he was bad or she was bad, wait till you get the next one. There's no one. Listen, Claire got the perfect one. She'll tell you that. But <laughs> I'm sorry, there's only one of me. And I'm sure some of you are saying, thank God for that. But <laughs> Absalom was coming with the new way, the better way. I'm going to make you happy. David's, David's letting you down. That's the way sin comes at you. Sin comes with promises. Do you know the old saying, we all have heard the verse, the wages of sin is death. But the old preachers used to say, but the wages of sin is death, but payday hasn't come yet. You see, you earn what you work for. Absalom was the great man. It says, Absalom rose up early in verse 2 and stood beside the way of the gate. When I'm taking wee notes, I'll but wee things like, and, and what I've got here is, your mistakes are never lazy. Can I tell you something? We're talking about sin. We're talking about evil. Let's, let's make it about ourselves this morning. See, at a believer's meeting, we need to speak to the believers. And this is a believer's meeting. I'm going to ask you a question. Now, don't put up your hands. I'll do it for you. Have you made a mistake? I'll put up both hands. Anytime I ask questions, I have to do it because I know the Lord's listening to me. And he's going to tell me to put up both hands. We've all made mistakes. But mistakes carry consequences. There's some mistakes and you can float on and you can get away. There's some mistakes. But here's the thing about mistakes. They stick with you, don't you? 
Mistakes can hold you back. Your problems, your trials, they can get a hold of you. They can get a grip of you. And it says in 2 Samuel 15 and 6, here's what Absalom set out to do. It says in 2 Samuel 15 and 6, so Absalom stole the hearts of the men of Israel. Your mistakes are out to rob you. They're out to rob you. You see, we have a peace of God that passes all understanding. Mistakes don't want you to get into that place where you can get the peace of God. Who wants the peace of God? Who wants that true peace that you can wake up and say, do you know what? God is in control. God has it all under control. That's the peace of God, the pass of all understanding. Whose understanding does it pass? It understand, the world cannot understand the peace of God. Your family might not even understand the peace of God. Your own church might not even understand the peace of God that you're talking about. But see, when the Lord and you allow him into your situation, see, the Lord says, take no thought for tomorrow. Everybody's worrying about next week, next month, next year. The Lord says, don't even worry about that. Don't even worry about tomorrow because I've got the day under control. See, we don't need to worry about the tomorrow because the Lord has the day under control. This is the day that the Lord have made. We will rejoice and be glad in it. Are you rejoicing this morning? Are you watching Sky News and BBC going up to the church? Oh, what's going to happen next? Oh, the price of fuel. Who cares? Christ is on the throne and Christ is in control this morning. Do you realize that? Greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. When yous were driving through Guildford and Lurgan and Portadown to get to church this morning, you should have been turning the world upside down like the book of Acts. It says that the early church turned the world upside down. Have we turned the world upside down? No, it's turning us upside down. Say it with me this morning. Greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. Say it again. Greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. And again, greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. Three is the number of confirmation and you have confirmed it this morning. So you have to take out the day and realize greater, greater. Notice that, not better, greater. He is great. He is wonderful. He is magnificent. He is the all wonderful. He is the all-known. He's the all-powerful. And he's my God. There is nobody like Jesus. There is nobody like Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank God he took this man out of the Mary pit. Thank God that he came and found Tom Quinn. When my world was upside down, Jesus came and he found me. When I sat thinking about killing myself every Sunday, he came and found me. He loves me. Jesus loves me, this I know. And he loves you. And he loves you with your mistakes. He loves you with your faults. He loves you with your warts and all. You know, I'm going to pass out a pile of these notes because I want to get to that point. Don't allow your mistakes to follow you. See, from this morning, 
Don't allow what's got a hold of you to go out these doors with you this morning. Let's have a morning where you sit. It's you and the Lord. What do you need to leave at the foot of Calvary this morning? What do you need to leave on the seat when you get up? Come on to me, all you who are weak and heavy laden. That's the promise. Who's weak? <laughs> the weakest man. I would fall for anything. I'm as weak. But my God is strong. And here's the promise, and I will give you rest. Here's what he's saying. Give it to me this morning. Give it over. I'll take it. And the king's servants is 2 Samuel 15 and 15. And the king's servants said unto the king, Behold, the servants are ready to do whatsoever my lord and king shall appoint. Absalom has started the revolt. Absalom has blew the trumpet. He has started the revolution. And Absalom has spread out the message through all of Israel. King David is no longer the king. Absalom is the king. He's at full attack. Are you under attack this morning? Is your family under attack? Is there someone you love under attack? Listen to what the Bible says. And the king's servant said unto the king, Behold, the servants are ready to do whatsoever my lord the king appoint. You must be ready to do something this morning. You either succeed or you're either ready to fail. I'm quoting Pastor McConnell again. If you ever get a chance, I see their button of sermons online. He, used, he preached a sermon years ago. And this was the title of it. Be prepared for trouble, for trouble's being prepared for you. Be prepared for trouble, for trouble's being prepared for you. That is the tragedy of life, isn't it? But that doesn't mean we sit and go, oh, what the, all it's all No. Because David's servant says, David, we're ready. Are you ready this morning? Do you want to get closer to the Lord? Do you want to get moving? Do you want to break the shackles and shake them off and say, I'm free in the name of Jesus, for whom the Son sets free, they are free indeed. There's no compromise, it's an indeed free. If somebody says indeed, you know they mean it, don't you? Can you give me a hand? Indeed I can. I have a cow calving and I know I'm going to go home here and it's going to be in the middle of a nightmare and I'm going to phone a certain friend who helps me and I'm going to say, can you give me a hand to calve this cow? Get lost. <laughs> That's what he's going to tell me. But if he says, indeed I can, I'll be spectacularly and impressively impressed with it. I can tell you that. And the king went forth and all the people with him and tarried in a place that was far off. That's in verse 17. Now, see in the Hebrew for the place far off, it was a far house. David had a safe house. This is the thing. The Lord has brought you to this safe house. This is God's safe house for you this morning. Do you realize that? Do you believe in the providence of God? Do you believe in the sovereignty and the soul 
kingship of Jesus Christ. All things work together for good. All things. See that disaster you've come away from in your home, your family. All things work together for good. You have a choice this morning. You can come to the safe house of God and you can allow the safe house of God to turn that situation into something wonderful. All things work together for good to them that love the Lord according to his purpose. God has a purpose this morning. Your purpose was to be in the safe house. David got into trouble and he headed for the safe house. Thank God for his safe house. Thank God that we have got a safe house that we can come and we can meet with the Lord. So here's the thing. David got into trouble. He went to the safe house. You're in the safe house. What do you do next? And David went up. Funny, see when David was heading to the safe house. David, and if you look at verse 30. And David went up by the ascent of the Mount of Olive. And he wept. As he went up. And his head covered and he went barefoot, and all the people that were with him covered every man his head. And they went up, weeping as they went up. David abandoned Jerusalem and had to leave it all behind him. Listen to Matthew 26 and the verse 38. Then saith Jesus unto him, My soul is exceeding sorrowful, even unto death. Tarry ye here and watch with me. Does any of you realize? See, when King David was fleeing from the castle in Jerusalem, does any of you actually realize that was the exact same route that Christ had to take to go to the garden, the, the garden of Gethsemane on the night he was betrayed? Do you know what that shows me? I can be a hundred percent sure. I'm a million percent sure in what I'm about to say. You see, when Christ was walking to the Mount of Olives on the last night when he was about to be betrayed, I know for a million percent David was on his heart. And he memorized the night that David walked the same path. Do you know why I can prove it to you? He was touched by the feelings of our infirmities. David went along weeping. What does the psalmist say about tears? He bottles up all my tears and keeps a record. Do you know every tear you shed, God keeps a record? Do you know that? Do you know every tear every one of you has shed is in a wee library in heaven and a wee bottle and there's a record beside it. And do you know why the record's kept beside it? It's not because the Lord ever forgets. He never forgets a thing. There's a day when we're going to have to stand before the Lord and see the people we have made cry and see the people that we have done wrong to. Their tears are going to be presented to you as a record. Why? How did that happen? (laughs) As a bit more sobering, Christians, be careful how you behave with each other. Be careful what you say about each other. Your words have weight to it. And as the Lord would have been walking along what the people call the Via Della Rosa, he would have been memorizing every tear of David's. He would have been memorizing every thought of David's. He would have been memorizing when David went along barefooted, running for his life. Imagine that. Picture David, an elderly man. Says his head was covered, he was bald. Running bald, barefoot, crying. Why was he crying? Because his own flesh and blood, his own son, 
is now chasing him down. See, Christ, he knows your pain. You know, 2 Samuel 30 says, weeping as they went up, they wept with David. Romans 12 and 5 says, rejoice with them who rejoice and weep with those who weep. See if this becomes a true safe house. See if you allow this to become a safe house this morning. Feel each other's pain. Feel each other's problems. See, when we, when we love one another as Christ has loved the church, we start to feel each other's pains. When somebody else is sick, we're sick for them. Now, don't be like Thomas. Oh, Lord, let us go and die with Lazarus. That's not what I'm saying. Thomas just loved a good old pity parlor, so he did. And Claire, you need to stop nodding like that. We're talking about the disciple Thomas. He just wanted to get into the middle of the anguish. The Lord says, no, we're going to bring life. In closing, and here's, here's where I need just to get now before we close, in the next last couple of minutes. Your place of failure can be the place of victory. Your place of failure can be your place of victory this morning. Remember Joseph said to his brothers, remember after 20 years of being tortured in prison, false accusations, false imprisonment, Joseph had it all. And Joseph's brothers come to him and when they realized who he was, here's the words that Joseph said to them. Satan meant it for evil, but God meant it to good for the persevering and the preserving of our family. Thank God that even that thing that looks like it's killing you and destroying us could be to the, the, the you, you take and to the preserving of your family and your home and your loved ones. See this morning, I know we've all situations and you look at it and you go, it's impossible. Have you got an impossible situation? With God, all things are possible. Don't allow sense to go against our Lord and Savior because he's omniscient. Omniscient cannot be spelt without the word sense. So here's the thing. He overthrew sense. He's omniscient. He's all-powerful, all-knowing, all-seeing. There's nobody like Jesus. And whatever you see this morning as impossible, to him it's not impossible. Satan meant it for evil. God Meant it for good. That night that David ran for his life. Have you ever had a moment where you say, my life's never going to be the same again? You ever had one of them moments? You ever had a moment where you've got a phone call and you've, you hang up and you just know my life will never be the same again from this moment? If you haven't had one of those phone calls yet, it'll come. It'll come. Tom, I thought you were here to bring good news, not bad news. I'm here to prepare the saints. If I was to tell you that come to the Lord and everything's going to be hunky-dory and go you up to hearse and lay your hands on a flower and name and claim it, you fill your boots, but don't be phoning me when you locked up. 
in a certain house. <laughs> you see, here's what I want to say to you is in closing. Zechariah 14 and 4. And his feet shall stand in that day upon the Mount of Olives. When our glorious king comes, he's coming to the Mount of Olives. That Mount of Olives that knew the tears of David. That Mount of Olives that held terrible memories for King David. On the day when Jesus comes, that will become the most glorious place on this earth. And here's what I'm saying. Bring Christ in. And I know this sounds like a cliche. I know you've heard this, but listen to me. Bring Christ in this morning. Really bring him in in his kingship. Bring him in believing that you know there is nobody like Jesus. Allow him into your situation. Can I ask you to do something this morning? Be honest with Jesus. Do you know we in the church have stopped being honest with Jesus? And in Mark chapter 8, You've all, I've preached it here a few years ago. In Mark 8, do you remember the man who asked the Lord to open his eyes? And, and the Lord says, what do you see? He says, I see men as trees. Here's the problem. Had he turned around to the Lord because of peer pressure and because everybody was there and says, oh, I can see, I'm healed, I'm healed. He would have spent the rest of his life with, a, with bad eye vision. But he was honest with Jesus. And he says, no, you didn't answer the prayer the way I expected you didn't do what I needed. Do you know what the Lord done next when he was honest? In the Greek New Testament, here's actually what the Lord done. He was, it says he was with his head. The Lord got into his face. He says, what do you say? What do you say? What do you say? In the Greek New Testament, the Lord's in his face. What do you say? It says, Jesus made him lift up his head. Christian, stop feeling sorry for yourselves. There's enough time to feel sorry for yourself when you're lying in bed going to sleep. But when you're up and in the business, get on with it. And Christ got him to look up. And some of us need to stop looking down and we need to look up. And some of us need to realize that Christ is here. And Christ is present. He's here right now. Please let me clarify this to you right now. See in the seat you're sitting in, right beside you, right in front of you, right behind you, Christ is here. He is here. Do you believe that? Do you believe Jesus is here? Well, this is your opportunity to be honest with him. This is your opportunity to tell him what you need. And if you don't need anything, tell him you love him. Tell him there's nobody like him. Because he inhabits the praises of his people. Do you know why I always say you'll get more answers from worship than you will from crime? You'll get more answers from worship. He inhabits, he loves. Do you remember in school if the teacher asked you a question and you had the answer? You'd be like us here. That was you, Alison. The way you laughed, that was you. And you want, because you've got the answer and you're trying to get their attention, so they say, Alison, what is the answer? See if you want to get his attention. See if you want to get closer. Worship him this morning. Do you know how I worship? Jesus. 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 Do you know why I do that? Solomon says, a good name 
is his precious ointment poured forth. There's no name like Jesus. Are you hurting this morning? Ointment heals. Are you tired this morning? Ointment refreshes. Do you want to go further with God? Ointment speaks of the Holy Ghost. And it all comes from the name Jesus. 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 See, as you're going home, it just keeps whispering up. Jesus. 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 And let me tell you something. I'm not going to go on anymore. But I want to say this to you. Have any of you failed? Messed up? You're saying, Tom, that's a lovely word, but see my situation? It's complex. I hear that word quite a bit. It's complex. It's like, well, Tom, I know what you're saying. You just don't understand. That's fair enough. You're probably right. Remember Peter turned around to the Lord and he says in Matthew 14, the Lord's walking on the water. And do you remember Peter to say that I want to walk on water? Here's the thing about it. Peter started to step out. And what happened after a couple of steps? He took his eyes off Christ. And he started to sink. Isn't that what we do as Christians? We sit in church on a Sunday. Uh, you, you hear a sermon. It, it, it gets to you. It really finds a home in you. You're like, that's what I need. That's what I want. You start to take the steps. Monday morning comes. Praise God. Hallelujah. Somebody cuts you up. Boom. You're down. A couple of Sundays later, an hour. Oh, praise God. That's me. I'm fixed now. You get to Tuesday morning. It's always morning time, isn't it? Bang. Down you go again. And do you know what you stop doing? You stop trying. It's like dating. Everybody's starting on a Monday. Monday night comes, we'll start it tomorrow. Tuesday morning comes, we'll start it next Monday now because we've already wasted this week. And we do that, but maybe you don't, but I do, anyhow. Now listen carefully in closing, and this is what I want you to catch. Do you see when Peter was sinking? Peter didn't have time to go to the Lord and come with a whole big rendition. Oh, Father, we come into your presence in the name of the thrice holy God. And There's no time. Christian, stop the nonsense. This is too serious. Stop coming to the Lord to tell him you're the thrice holy and magnificent king. He knows it. He does. Listen, with a grace respect, get rid of the nonsense. Because see, when Peter was really sinking, here's what it come down to. Jesus, save me. And see this morning, if you're asking me, Tom, how can I get closer? How can I do it? Just reach out to them this morning and say, Jesus, save me. And do it with an honest heart. And don't be coming with this whole nonsense of, oh, I'm going to have to do this and I'm going to have to do that. Just come to them this morning and say, Jesus, save me. Do you know, this is where my mind works over time. And this is where we can all help one another. See the very thing that Peter was sinking in? See the very thing that was about to kill Peter? How do you think Peter got back to the boat? Have you ever thought of that? That's the way my mind thinks. Do you know what that shows me? You see what's out to kill you? Christ will give you the victory through it. Because see when Peter would have come back up, Christ would have walked him back to the boat. 
And the very thing that was killing Peter and the very thing that was about to consume him became his way back. Notice that. Are you catching that? The very place that Peter was about to die in was now the very thing that Christ was using to his glory. One more thought, and this is for all of you in here this morning. How do you think Peter got back into the boat? It was a high-sided boat. How do you think he got back in? James, John, Bartholomew, Peter, give us your hand. We'll pull you back up in. The disciples would have reached down in and pulled them back in. We need to learn forgiveness. We need to learn how to forgive one another. We need to know how to pick one another back up again. Even when we mess up and we deserve it, we need to learn how to pull one another back into the boat. Because see, if you don't, the devil will. The devil will. Christian, on this Lord's Day morning, I've went on, have I? Forgive me. Cry out to the Lord this morning. I'm not talking to the unsaved this morning. I'm talking to the believer. I'm talking to the backslider this morning. And if you are here this morning and you're not saved, cry out to Jesus in one voice. Jesus, save me. Do you know why? He is quick. He will come straight to your call. And he will answer. Do you know the place of David's failure will now be the greatest place on earth, that Mount of Olives. Because that's where my Lord and Savior is returning to. And that's where the Lord will gather his church and his people onto himself. And a place that was, holds the graves of many tears will become the greatest place on earth. Why don't you allow what's causing you so many tears why don't you allow, as Joseph said, Satan meant it for evil, God meant it for good. Turn your tears into rejoicing. And I know this sounds like a cliche, but it's the truth. Allow Christ in. Allow Jesus in. And be honest with him. Will you just do that? Be honest with him. Thank God. Hallelujah. Bless you all. Apologies for being late and and see you later. Amen.